It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Go! of the game, St. George, Illawarra to the death, trying, Brown goes to the air, going back is Mabel, oh. leaping high and taking it in marvellous fashion with Rod Wishart, he has scored an incredible drive that ties this small game up. Bartram from 18 metres out, he strikes it nicely, St. George, Illawarra win for the first time in their premiership line. Here's Nathan Blacklock down the sideline. Good evening, folks, and welcome to episode 154 of the Red V Podcast. Jack Clifton in the podcast chair here this afternoon. Hope you're doing well. Hope you've had a lovely festive a festive period time, a lovely Christmas with friends and family, and thanks again so much for tuning in to the Red V Podcast. Episode 154 coming at you tonight. I guess a bit of a different format. Haven't got Curtis Woodward on the line tonight, being the fact that you're on holidays, I'm on holidays. I'm up in beautiful sunny Queensland on the Sunshine Coast. Just a format a little bit different for the next couple of weeks we kind of get through the summer months but uh, in in the not too distant future we'll I'll be back to normal programming and uh, we'll be uh, be dissecting uh, or I guess previewing the 2023 campaign for the St George Illawarra Dragons we'll have a full um Pre- position preview um, as we've done uh, for the last couple of years here on the podcast and uh, we'll start that um, around mid-January and uh, my, when myself and, uh, and Curtis uh, reconvene. Of course, uh, a very, uh, uh, I guess, happy congratulations to Kurt on on tying the knot uh, with his lovely bride, Tepper. They've been together for a long, long time. They're as solid as a rock and uh, really a massive congratulations to him. I know it was a Maybe not a spur-of-the-moment thing, but certainly wasn't something that had been overly planned out um, in, in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, great to see uh, Curtis happy and, uh, and Tepra happy, and I'm sure they're going to have lots of happiness, and uh, we'll 
we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later um, down the track on the podcast when we get uh, Curtis back. But in regards to tonight's episode, we're going to play you part two of our chat with Matt Elliott. Matt focuses a little bit more on his coaching career. Um, those wise rugby league historians that listen to this podcast or rugby league uh, fanatics will have probably followed the career of Matt relatively closely with his success over with the Bradford Bulls. We talk about him following Brian Smith uh, over to uh, over to the UK and, and I guess doing um, uh, uh, the the work of Smithy and I guess kind of inheriting Smithy's uh, team when when Brian Smith came back to Australia in 1997 to coach uh, the Parramatta Eels. He had success with Bradford but then obviously stints uh, at Penrith at the Warriors and, and also involved uh, with the Roosters before ending back up with the Dragons as an assistant coach. Also talk to him about um, yeah the, some of the other things that uh, that he's been doing um, in, in his life. So yeah, the, anyone that knows Maddie's a, a little bit of an entrepreneur and, and uh, does a lot of really great things outside uh, the, I guess, the the chasm of, of rugby league. And uh, yeah, enjoy chatting uh, about that with him a little bit later on in, in our chat as well. So really hope you do enjoy uh, part two of our chat with Matt Elliott. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, make sure that you do uh, leave uh, leave a like, leave um, uh, leave some some comments if you did enjoy the chat, as uh, certainly I did when I chatted that with, with Matt a couple of weeks ago. Here's part two of our chat with Matt Elliott here on episode 154 of the Red V Podcast. What was it like for for you to go from playing under Brian Smith to um, going, I guess, into an assistant coach role? Because was it, uh, uh, I don't want to say back then, I don't want to make you feel old, Matt, but back in, in in that era, was was it a case of the President's Cup coach and the reserve grade coach being the two assistant coaches to the first grade coach? No. Uh, the two assistants for the first grade coach, well, yeah, kind of like that, but Smithy had an extra one. So Rocket yeah. moved from being Rod Reddy moved from being um, reserve grade coach to Smithy's full time assistant. But yes, mm-hmm. there was also Perry Haddock on the staff. Yeah. So we all had diff- differing roles to support you know, the NRL coach for sure. Yeah. So yeah, it was. But and that was the thing that Brian taught me was just the structure and the systems of organising staff. Organising players, organising you know everything in a way that was really systematic, so we could achieve as much as possible, was you know had a massive impact on not just me but all the staff. You could see how well organised we were all the time. So we weren't, we never wasted time ever. There was mm. no waste of time at sessions. So in, in 1996, Brian Smith moves to the, the Bradford Bulls and you go across with him, um, Matt, I'm assuming in, in, in an assistant coach role. Um, and then obviously a, a fair bit of success kind of followed uh, when you uh, took the, the reins as head coach. Can you talk us through that time over in the, the UK and, and, and the opportunity with, with Bradford, who were a real powerhouse back in, in those days of the, the English Super League? They weren't a powerhouse when we arrived. I can, <laughs> I can promise you that. Um, I've been serious. So mm. um, what happened is in 1995, uh, the Dragons agreed to merge with the Roosters. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. you remember them. Mm. So, and then so across Botany Bay, Smithy and Gus were staring at each other. So Smithy made the assumption that he wasn't going to get the job. So when I actually went to Bradford in 95. I coached. I started coaching. So Smithy said, do you want to come in to Bradford with me? And I had a job at the Dragons. Jeff yeah. Power assured me of that. But I went, yeah, okay. I did again. That was about as much thinking I did. I didn't go away and think about it. So mm. went home and told 
told my family we're moving to England. <laughs> but I left. I, I literally left the week after. So I moved in July 95. Mm. And I coached. I did the pre-season and coached the last winter season in, um, yeah. in the UK. So, yeah. And so that started there. Then Brian came over and I was actually assistant coach. And my academic background is in sports science. Okay. So I was also the strength, strength and conditioning coach for the first uh, two years when I was over there. Did, I mean, you, did, did you enjoy your time over there, Matt? Loved it. Loved it. And look, again, what Brian did for Bradford um, was pretty amazing. Yep. It was really amazing, to be honest with you. But um, he, um, yeah, he brought in – he changed the whole organisation. There's no other way it would. Mm-hmm. He just changed everything that they did in the way that – so he moved them from a bottle of a table club to a top of the table club using, in his time there. Using those, those similar it. techniques that he, he brought success to St. George with? Yeah, well, he was also the CEO. Oh, wow. He wasn't just the head coach. He was the CEO of the organisation. Mm, and okay. he brought himself so much innovation, so much innovation, as well as, you know, the, the systems of play that we utilised. Again, I, over, I, I, took him, I took over from him in the uh, 97 season and went through undefeated that whole year. Um, and I wish I could take credit for it, but, and we didn't have the best playing roster by far. Yeah. It was far more talent. And in those days, it was a lot more Aussie talent over there because, one, it was $3 to a pound, mm. um, and, you know, we could play good monies. And so we were getting really good players in, into England at that time. So, yeah, but what Smithy brought over there as far as coaching, created a powerhouse of a club at that time, for sure, through that individual. You know, mm. and I'm, I'm not just, well, wind up his backside, but no. yeah, the momentum he, he created that allowed myself and then Brian Abel after to get a hold of you know, came from one source. So after the, the, the coaching appointment and, and, and the, the success over in, in Bradford in, in the north of England, um, I guess the next kind of stop on your, your coaching journey is uh, is Canberra, the the nation's capital. Um, can you can you speak to us uh, about that period in your life? Because there was, well, I think, four semi final appearances in, in in five years with you being coached down there, Maddie. What was that experience like looking after that Canberra side in the the early to mid two thousands? Uh, some of the best years of my life there, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know and. It was, you know, I, I took over a footy team that had a really good IQ, but just were a little disciplined. And again, we, we got tipped to come last every year. Mm. Every year I was there, we got tipped to come last, you know, and, and that, you know, we were able to certainly uh, counter that paradox mm. with, with, the, with the attitude of the playing group that was out there. So, the first year, I was probably a massive disciplinarian, which is this had worked for me in England. Yeah. And by year two, the players had you know, taken over that. Yeah. So I was okay. pretty single-minded around the playing group, 
had my role as the head coach at that time. And you know, it was a real strength, personally, that I lost later in my coaching career because I tried to do too many things. Uh, but, yeah, that, those times were great. It was a good club, great fan base and a playing group. And great guys to work with. What were the fans like down there? Because I, I see the Canberra fans these days, Matty, and, and you look at the Viking club and the success they've had in recent years, and I just think the fans are so incredible, especially considering how bitterly cold it is there um, during during the, the regular season and during during our, our winter months. Um, I, I just have so much respect for, for the Canberra fans. I imagine that you would have been um, yeah enjoying your time down there. They would have been enjoying their time down there with the, the club having a, a fair bit of success in that, that kind of five- to six-year period. Yeah, yeah they're, they're great fans. I guess they're really different. And again, you don't like stereotyping, do you? But no. They're really different to, you know, Sydney fans. They're really mm. different to Brisbane fans. Is um, And I guess because there's so many bureaucrats and administrative people that live in, um, live in Canberra, they're, yeah, they're, they're probably a little bit more refined. Is that the right way? Am I being politically correct there? <laughs> that's right. Probably no, not as harsh. No, no, I think that's they're a fair comment. Yeah. <laughs> they're not as harsh. There you yeah. go, as, as some other fans are. Not that they don't have high expectations. They're just not they're quite as harsh at times. So from Canberra, you move on to, to Penrith, and I, I guess the – the highlight, I guess, um, and, and maybe you'll correct me, but the, the highlight at Penrith in, in, in 2010, finishing um, second in the, the regular season for, for the Panthers. Can you, you talk us through that period? Probably not the not the success that you had down in, in Canberra. And I, um, I just brought up an article before when, when you eventually left Penrith that was you, you were disappointed um, that it had ended the way it, it ended. Can, can you talk us through uh, briefly your, your time, at, time at Penrith, who now are just an absolute powerhouse in, in in rugby league what was the club like in I think 2007 when you, when you took over the reins there as coach very different to what it is now um, and yeah the club had some you know probably made some poor investments at that time mm. outside the foot so that they weren't yeah you know, they were they were definitely in the red um, and I guess the other challenge I inherited they'd won the grand final in uh, 2003 right yep and a lot of those players, when I arrived, their time was up and, and they weren't driving the culture like they had done. Mm. So when you, have to, when you have to move on legends of the club that have won grand finals for the club, it's not the easiest thing to do. No. So that, that the, the initial time was not great. You know, and I, and I, I moved away from my personal strength coaching and tried to you know resolve other other challenges that the organization were having you know in mm. junior development and and in in certain areas where we you know we wanted to put time and resources into didn't really have but I yeah you know, wasn't yeah I, I certainly my ability to coach had improved but what I did was instead of putting more time into that I diluted my attention I guess there was some people in the organisation I would like to have had their attention on things that we mm. needed to grow the club at the time, you know. And I crossed over very shortly with Gus, so I'd already, I'd already agreed to leave yep. before uh, Bill, Bill got there. But, you know, when Gus came, you could see he immediately recognised the need to 
weekend to show that the club was well resourced. Yeah. I guess one of the more interesting coaching appointments or, or gigs that you had, uh, Matt, was being head coach of the the USA national team. We've had David New on the on the podcast, and, and obviously he's a, a real pioneer when it comes to, to rugby league participation um, over in the United States. Um, I guess how, how did that appointment happen? How did you enjoy it? What can you tell us about that uh, that time um, coaching the the USA national side? Well, Neil, he's one of my best mates, and. Mm. Um, just want to do a shout-out to him and his family. His mum passed last week and he's on his way back out to Australia. Mm. So just you know, want to acknowledge, acknowledge that. Um, so, yeah, knew he got me the job. I did, I did the first one in 2007, actually. I went over there and uh, coached them in the UK. Got a couple of games there. Um, and it was um, – look, I was really passionate about it. And they've really created internal gunfights over there, unfortunately, uh, because there's a real potential to have a little niche market in that part of the world. I really mm. believe that. Sort of did a lot of planning and research around trying to help them do that. Um, yeah. But uh, unfortunately, uh, people's egos got in the way and all the hard work that Yui had done to sort of, like create some momentum and, and get people started to participate in the sport was undermined by greed of mm. you know, a few individuals, which um, this is really unfortunate. Now, you know, they've got two comps over there that are very poor. So it's it's a bit of a pity. Yeah. Particularly after the fact that in 2011, you know, we had a competition over there where we had to beat South Africa and Jamaica to qualify, and you know we qualified. You know, for, for the World Cup, and to see that, to see that sort of disintegrate soon after that, because because of what I said, is a real disappointment. Because there is a niche market over there that I, I don't believe I know that rugby league can create some real mm. impact. Because they don't have a lot of around a rugby league team. They don't have a lot of um, community support like Oztag or Touchwood. Yeah, okay. So you could have. Could have really, you know, particularly in low socioeconomic areas, could have really developed some momentum. So rugby union, for example, has played in universities, and with all due respect to rugby union in the in the US, most of the, you know, like in Australia, if you can't make the rugby league team, you go to another team, and if you can't make that, you end up playing another sport. Mm. Does that make sense? And I'm, yeah. I don't want to say this. Sports out loud, otherwise I'll get hated on. But well, that's what happens at in college: is the athletes that can't quite make the NFL team and the basketball team end up playing rugby union. Mm. Is that nasty? No, no, no that we was. Sort of no, I think that was that was a, that was a good that was a, politi- a good politician's answer, I reckon, Matt. Yeah. So, but we we what we wanted to do was target low socioeconomic areas where the people couldn't get to university, you know, but wanted to play a community sport where we could get fifteen to to seventeen year olds to start playing rugby league, mm. um, and then start a competition, you know, in those those sort of communities, which you know, there's a lot of really athletic people you know, around. In those those communities, mm. so it would have been anyway. Didn't work out. 
I really feel for Dewey because he put a lot of time into it, but he yeah. moved to rugby union and now he's fencing. Yes. I mean fencing, and I don't mean putting up fences, yeah. but you know, <laughs> one day you stab each other with swords. He's, he's into that now. There's been plenty of, of talk recently about uh, – it's been happening for, for so long. Fans are probably a little bit tired of hearing of it, but the NRL wanting to take a regular season game to the United States, if that eventually does happen, Matt, does that help the growth of rugby league in, in the country or is that just a just a tiny dip in the ocean? I, I find it difficult to draw the line between how it does, um, but if, if, if they attach – you know, support and promotion of the game to that for local communities and, yeah, and you have the right people there. It, I, I honestly believe, like, look, just say 1%, you know, 1% of the, you know, the television market over there to watch a game every now They'd love it. Yeah. Because it's very similar to NFL as far as the rule structure. It's not difficult to explain rugby league to NFL fans at all. Yeah. I've done it a heap of times. Um, so, and they love contact sport. I can tell you that. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so, and rugby league's a fun contact sport to watch, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's not a, I don't, we've made it more difficult than it needs to be, but you, unless you have all the right concepts, if you don't have the right people, it ain't going to work. So, and I know the, the NRL, for example, have a, they have enough trouble, you know, getting the investments right in the local, in, in Australia rather than internationally. So I'd, I'd imagine that would be the same for the International Rugby League Board as well. So in, in regards to, I guess, the progression of, of, of your career, it's a pretty significant one in, in 2015 when you um, you joined the, the commentary team for ABC um, Grandstand. Uh, again, was that something that you, you fell into, Matty? How did that opportunity happen? And I guess how have you enjoyed the, the difference between going from coaching into, into commentary and then, I guess, back to coaching a little bit when you, you jumped on as um, assistant assistant coach to the Dragons in, in 2020? Yeah, well, when I came back from the Warriors in 2014, um, wasn't, you know, I was, yeah, wasn't sure what I was going to do and I, was, you know, I got contacted out of the blue by Andrew Moore in 2015. I went on a fairly extended break for a bit and... Yeah, I, I had no thoughts of commentary, you're right again. Um, but I really, you know, again, got very lucky meeting Andrew Moore, having the opportunity to do what I did for such a long time and still do with him. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a blessing in disguise. I, you know, I do a lot of public speaking these days. And I, you know, I present in a, in a business that I've got and the time on radio really helped me elevate my skill set in that area. So it's it's been fun. It's been informative. Um, I can say it's also been challenging. I remember when I you know, when I was the first couple of years when we were doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Well, it was um, and you're on air for a long time. I certainly learned what it meant to be mentally drained mm. just from talking. It was a good, it's a good lesson, and yeah, I, I love it. 
that may also have a lot to do with the people I get to work. Yeah, well, that that was my next point. That's what I was going to say. Like, and I guess the the other great thing about it is is getting to develop some some really close friendships with guys that used to play rugby league, but someone like Andrew Moore that, that anyone that listens to ABC commentary knows that that you guys have a have a great rapport on and, and probably off the radio. Yeah, mate. He's a like I, I don't know. I'm biased, but I don't over listen to radio. But his his skill set. Mm. In commentary, I don't know how he does it. Sometimes, you know, again, his ability to recognise everyone and describe the play in a way that engages fans, keeps people informed exactly what the score is. He's amazing and he's fun. You know, certainly there's no lack of uh, piss tape in the the process, but I was really lucky, you know. that when I first that first started doing it, you know, I got, I got some really good advice off, off key people in the media that you know, they don't when you're in the media, you're not talking to players and other coaches, you're talking to you know to you know to Bruce from you know, you know from Pickton or whatever. Yeah. So you've got to make yeah. sure it's engaging for them. And that was you know, and when someone like Ray Warren comes up to you, gives you that advice, and says, "I'll oh, listen to you on the radio." And mm. That need to go as deep as you go. You, you take it. So that, again, it wasn't just for radio. I learned about that. I thought, well, that's something that when you're talking to people, you've got to make yourself relatable. Otherwise, you may as well talk in another language. When we we started this this interview, this conversation, Matt, I kind of reeled off the things that you were, you were doing. I guess one thing that that maybe you wouldn't have expected to do if we we told you this at the beginning of your your footy career or the beginning of your life was um, writing writing a book. And anyone that follows you on Instagram will know um, what it reached the the change room has um, a, a book that I believe has now become a a podcast. Can you can you talk us through? I guess firstly what the change room is because there might be fans listening that have a zero idea of what we're talking about and 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 how that that opportunity came to pass? Well, it's a business to start off with and it's a well-being business and we work, uh, you know, in workers' comp and in corporate space and, you know, with uh, New South Wales Health and police and, and um, you know, ambulance. So, uh, and I use people like Mark Hughes, Anthony Minicello. There's a guy called Mark Baldwin who works with the blues around breathing. So, mm. you know, Andrew Ryan is also supported it. So it was really to give people access to what we call high performance, which is a, you know, that's a crap word, high performance. It should be called human performance. Yeah. Something helps, helps an athlete recover by what they eat or how they think or how they feel or how they breathe. It's going to help everyone recover. So I started a, a program and developed content around a program that gave people access to the to, to elevate and accelerate their recovery. And it works. So I wrote a book. Um, and I've got book two on the way, but the book, I don't know how. I think, again, I have to acknowledge my colleague, Andrew Moore, because I think it went bestseller for, you know, for nearly a month. And I, I don't know how that happened because it wasn't certainly through my 20 followers on Instagram. That <laughs> <made> that. <laughs> um, uh, you know, his, you know, fetching it on ABC radio and then you know, I also had some other media opportunities with it as well mm. through yeah, my 
my forever you know, debt to rugby league and what it's done to me you know, also allowed me to get it out there. But it, the feedback on it's been really good because it's simple, easy to consume and, and you know, allows people to have a better life by following it. You know, Anthony Minicello's stuff on diet, for example, it, it saved my life. Mm. I had an autoimmune disease and I was in a bad way. I was injecting myself twice a day with a steroid and you know, I don't have it anymore. Well, I, yeah, I can wow. bring it back if I put my lifestyle back. But, you know, a lot of people forget that Anthony Michello missed essentially four years of footy with spinal injuries. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his, his recovery and what he did around nutrition and movement is leading edge. And it works for people. We've you know, so we've had people come into our program and reverse type two diabetes mm, by following this. Lose over forty kilos. So it's it's uh, been you know, we we stereotype ourselves as footy people, don't we? That we're we're dribblers. But you know, if I told you some of the impacts that Mark Hughes has had on you know people that have come to our events, you know it's. It's almost impossible to describe how he's changed mm. their life. What's uh? What can you tell us about book number two, uh, Matty? Book number two, without giving away too much, is about the second half of your life, which I'm just about to go into. Um, just searching out a co-writer. I, I want a female perspective on this as mm. well. So, uh, but it's it's not just for people that are, you know sharing my hair colour, it's it's also about dealing with the realities of, of that sort of stuff as you move into it. Because we're seeing you know, a lot of people suffering illness that they don't need to, but it's all lifestyle-related stuff. It's not anything else. And if you, you – know, what I want to do, I've got grandkids now, they're only babies, but you know, I, I want to be able to enjoy um, – them and I want them to be able to enjoy me. Yeah. So it's it's about setting yourself up. So coming out of half time after you've had some oranges, not in denial, but knowing that you're either going to you know enjoy the experience of mm. life, or it's going to be a an uphill battle for you. You get the choose. Well, Matt, before we um, we finish off, I guess I just wanted to finish with with a double double a double loaded question. Uh, what does twenty twenty three look like for you, Matt? And what does twenty twenty three look like for the St George Laura Dragons, in your opinion? Well, those two answers emerged. I reckon for me, um, I'm excited about twenty twenty three for the Dragons. Look, you know, uh, I understand. I um, I'm with everyone that we we want our club to be sitting at the top of the competition for sustained periods. And I know we're on the way to that. And that's starting now. So I can I can see the change from the board level um, right through. And that's not because of it's, – it's not the people, it's the mentality I can see changing that excites me. Mm. So that for us, it's focusing on not what we don't have or what we haven't done or – what we can't do, it's focusing on what we can do. You know, the things that are within our power, you know, as a you know, an organization to, to get the best out of it. What a what a great club. What about our brand? It's amazing. So we need to make sure that people 
within our club and around our club understand how amazing that is. Mm. And we need our team on, team on the field to validate that. And they're going to. You know, I, I know that, you know, there's been some adversity, but sometimes you've got to, you know, to get in a clear space, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to mess the water up a little bit as well. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I guess I'm, because I'm within the organisation, I've got to say all this sort of stuff. But I, I really mean that as well. Mm. I, I'm super confident about the direction we're going. And, you know, we had a, let me do this one. We had a whole start, all right, um, planning day. Yeah. I don't want to go into the detail of it, but to have everyone, you know, we're a little bit separated. We've got offices in Cogger at the Steelers and then obviously at Wynn. Have everyone in all roles without prompting talk about you know, developing our talent from our local areas mm. and nurturing our players in a way that makes them not only better players but better people, that came from the whole club. So when you, when you hear that from everyone, it's, you know, you can't help but be excited. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's probably a few fans that yeah would would certainly agree with uh, with those sentiments, uh, Matt. And, and let's hope that it is is a, a good year for for the Dragons, but also for yourself. And we uh, we just really appreciate you giving up uh, the last sixty odd minutes of, of your time and, and chatting to us about lots of different areas uh, in your life. I'm sure there's been lots of fans that have really uh, enjoyed this chat. I, I certainly have. And um, yeah, thanks so much for for dropping by the Red V Podcast, Matt. Yeah, Mo, well, it was a walk down history's lane there for a while, so you certainly tested my memory. So <laughs> that's something I'll have to put in the book as well, eh? Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, but, yeah, we, we, we do really appreciate your time, Matt. So, yeah, thanks so much for, uh, for, for chatting to us today. Again, a massive thanks to Matt for jumping on the podcast a few weeks ago. Gave up about a uh, between an hour and hour and a half of his time, um, and 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 spoke about all uh, a range of different things, as you've heard in the part one and and part two. Still involved uh, with the Dragons. Um, still involved um, in in kind of that that mentorship region, and 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 uh, certainly supporting some of the younger players. And and he has a wealth of advice, um, uh, Matty, and a wealth of experience. And now we see him back on the ABC commentary team a little bit as well uh, at the, towards the back end of the 2022 campaign. I think uh, someone like him working in that that culture space um, working in that team space I think is is incredibly valuable it's not just the players on the field it's not just the coach and the coaching staff uh, and the front office but there's all these other moving parts and moving pieces and I, I think yeah having having Matt Elliott involved uh, with the club with the experience he's had as a player but also as a coach and now as an administrator I think is is really helpful for uh, for the Dragons moving forward uh, next week on the podcast we're going to be uh, chatting with Josh White now Josh uh, played uh, only 32 games uh, in the Australian Premiership back in the uh, the, I was about to say the heydays, but back in the 90s leading into the Super League War, he, he spent some time with Western Suburbs and then had one season with the Illawarra Steelers in 1996 and um, playing 16 games, hence the uh, the relation to, to coming on the Red V podcast. Had a really good chat with uh, with Josh and we'll, we'll throw a few teasers up during the week uh, just to, to get you in the mood for that. But uh, that's another really, really good chat with, uh, with some great ex-players that give us some great stories. And, and although some of them might not be um, guys that played 250 games and played 20 tests and 15 origins, they all have their own stories. Uh, their stories are, are unique. They've got 
uh, history with uh, with families involved with rugby league and and brothers and different things. Uh, and really looking forward to bringing that that chat about about Josh, a great player. Kyle is uh, his older brother, also a wonderful wonderful player that unfortunately has uh, fallen on hard times of late. Uh, but uh, yeah, looking forward to bringing you part one of our chat uh, with Josh White happening next week on the podcast. So we've got that for you for the next couple of weeks, and then on January sixteen we'll be. Uh, reconvening and uh, jumping back in uh, to our position preview, taking a look at the 2023 season. And it won't be long until we do have those preseason matches to talk about and talking about what the best 13, what the best 17 looks like for the Dragons. Uh, looking forward to doing that for you uh, in the next few weeks. But uh, make sure you do stay safe for those on holidays. Uh, stay safe. Um, God bless. Look after yourself. Great uh, great chance for you to spend some time with family. And for those that, yeah, maybe it is a bit, a bit of a tricky uh, period of time, a tough period of time, or maybe you're working through this period. Um, uh, my, yeah, my heart goes out to you and, and hope that everything is going well in your neck of the woods and, and hopefully our little podcast can can bring you um, some pockets of joy uh, over over this Christmas at New Year period. We'll be back next Tuesday evening for episode 155 of the Red V Podcast. Until then, stay safe. God bless. Let's go those mighty dragons. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.